Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's show, a quick reminder that this podcast is free for everyone and supported by those who can afford it. So uh, if you have found this podcast a useful companion during 2020, and you'd like to see it continue through 2021, I would invite you to go to plantyourself.com slash gift. If you are in a position where you have the means to support something that means something to you and hopefully uh, you think is doing good in the world. You can use PayPal or Patreon. You can make a one-time contribution or become an ongoing sustaining patron of the show. And if funds are too tight for you to show your appreciation in a monetary sense, you can still leave a review of the Plant Yourself podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. That also helps us a great deal. All right, on to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and Wellstart Health. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a powerful and passionate life. So today's show is short and sweet, and it's really fitting that this comes out Thanksgiving week because I am so grateful for the opportunity that I had to interview the person you're going to meet very shortly. So his name is Eric Adams, and he is the Brooklyn Borough President. I met him a couple of years ago when he spoke at an Engine 2 event up in upstate New York, and I was so moved by his talk that I went up to him right afterwards, introduced myself, and asked if I could interview him for the podcast. And to my surprise, he opened my notebook and wrote down his cell phone number and said, sure. And I got to admit, I was so overwhelmed by this act of generosity that I never called him. I just kept staring at it every time I opened the notebook to that last page and I saw his name and cell phone number. And then, as luck would have it, my friend and podcast guest, Russ Lahamadou, introduced me to Eric Adams' uh, assistant, Rachel, who is a huge plant-based advocate and mover and shaker. And it was through Rachel that we arranged this podcast interview. And even more exciting, we did it in person. So Josh Lajani and I were in New York City for a week, uh, a few weeks ago. And we went to this beautiful old municipal building in Brooklyn, and we set up in this big ornate hall with a conference table and the paintings of the former borough presidents and mayors of Brooklyn before them on the walls. And Josh and I had a conversation with the Brooklyn borough president, Eric Adams. And in fact, I was caught a little bit off guard because the borough president came in and immediately started asking us about ourselves. And it became a conversation even before I could press record. So you'll hear we start sort of in the middle right after the borough president asked Josh a little bit about his story. So I guess at this point, I should explain just very, very briefly why we're interviewing a politician, a political leader. And the answer is that Eric Adams went plant-based and reversed his own diabetes and has become a powerhouse in the promotion of plant-based eating as a way to heal the people of Brooklyn, to heal New York City, to heal America, and to heal the world. You'll hear his story, and you'll hear some of the initiatives that are going on in America's hippest city uh, through the course of our conversation. And before we get there, just a couple of quick announcements. One, Wellstart Health is going to be starting a new cohort um, to help you Get to your ideal weight, reverse chronic disease, eat and live and move and breathe and sleep 
the way you want to, the way that will be most conducive to your health and happiness and to give you the tools to make those habit and behavior changes and to make them last and to make them a joyful and natural part of your identity rather than constant struggle or plate spinning or Sisyphean. I didn't say that right. Sisyphean. Darn it. Like Sisyphus climbing that mountain only to have the boulder slide down to the bottom again. We help you erase that pattern and create a new one of of ease and capability and inevitability. And it feels really good. You want to find out more, just go to wellstarthealth.com. You can apply right now and we'll let you know when the next cohort begins. Second thing, I just want to remind you that this podcast takes no advertising and is entirely supported by two groups of people, listeners and me. <laughs> and I'm really happy to announce that it's getting close to 50-50 in terms of the amount of energy and time and money that's going into each of those parts of the equation. So on Patreon, I'm now up to $720 a month. And I estimate that I put in about $1,200 of my own money in terms of money and time to run this podcast. And so it's getting really, really close to being an even split. So if you like this show, if you like to support it, if you're in favor of what it does in the world, know that it's, it's just you and me. So if you would like to go to Patreon and look for Plant Yourself and commit to an ongoing monthly amount, that would do a ton to help me and to help this show grow and prosper and reach more people. All right, let's do it. Here is Josh Lajani and me talking to Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams. And as I said, Eric Adams begins the conversation by asking Josh about himself. And from there, we get into all kinds of goodness. Enjoy. My grandmother had died at 67. Mm. And so my and I had seen in my, my my dad's side of the family a lot of heart disease and stuff. My grand my grandfather on that side died of like his fourth heart attack. Mm. You know, my dad's had heart attacks. And so I just after about around age thirty two, um, I started trying to change and lose weight again. In that process I wound up figuring out that I liked running. And running brought me to Scott Jurek and brought me to a plant-based diet. And I was able to connect all of the dots. Um, and it just became a passion to be like, wow, I've learned this thing. And I know all of these people whose language I speak on the body, like this Cajun, these Cajun people who are very not necessarily open to a plant-based diet, but they are open to not having a heart attack. Mm. You know, and so it's just been a, a passion of mine ever since then, since, since I've like learned this secret to be more, have a more outward facing approach um, to what it is that I do to stay healthy and fit and, and lean and, and aggressive in the world. And, that, and Howard helps me do that because we have hooked up through social media and now he's helped me sort of put together my manuscript to write, a, write my own story. But in that process, We've we've um, you know developed a coaching platform together and become really close friends and it's just been an amazing um, amazing thing the, the 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 serendipity since I've lost the weight and gotten into this world is mind boggling right, right it's mind boggling right. I would have never thought in a million years I'd be sitting here you know talking to the president of you know Brooklyn mm -hmm. 
I'm just a guy from Chag Bay who was big and fat one time, mm. <laughs> you know, and here I am getting to have amazing conversations with amazing people. It's kind of cool. And, 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 and I agree. And when I, you know, once you, I think once you enter this space, not only do you uh, see outwardly the impact that uh, food could have on you, but you also see inwardly. Mm-hmm. You know, you when you reach the age of 30, 40, 50, 60, you have the tendency to believe that your best years are behind you mm. than in front of you. Mm. And you start to almost redefine what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. And so some may see it just as a diet or just a change of lifestyle. But it's really a transformation. Absolutely. All <laughs> the way to the core of who I am. Right. right. There, there's been bits and pieces of every part of me that have changed. It's not just weight loss. You know, and, and um, yeah. I agree. I agree. I could not have said it better. <laughs> could not have said it better. Yeah. So, so I'm curious about uh, your change. Uh, I, don't, I don't know anyone who started out changing their diet thinking it was going to be to the core transformation like when you were you had diabetes or you were sick you just tell a little bit about your the story and how you came to this lifestyle I arrived at this lifestyle I believe a combination of things that I always state when I was told I was diabetic that I was buried when in fact I was planted because it was seeing my mother inject herself with insulin that made me sort of take notice. And in my desire to help mom, you know, believing that you know, I wasn't a doctor, that I could do something. And little did I know, I too was going to inherit the same disease, not from her genes, but from the diet that we shared. Mm-hmm. As I like to say, it's not our DNA, it's our dinner. Yes, sir. <laughs> and after being told I was diabetic and going to several doctors here in the city who embraced the same traditional methods of starting one on that spiraling course downward mm-hmm. of, of medication, higher doses, different types, vision loss, amputation, heart disease, and just really knowing that there's no turning back into that dark part of your life, I decided, you know, to do something I like to say was extremely revolutionary. I went to Google and Googled reversing diabetes. There we go. <laughs> and all of this information came up. It's amazing what is in plain sight. Yes. And when the information came up and I just sort of delved into it, and it, there was a realization for me that you know Eric use what you have you're not a doctor but you're an ex-cop you know how to do investigations mm. and finding out facts has little to do if you graduated graduated from a medical school it has to do with the ability just to go where the information takes you and the information took me to PCIM physician committee for responsible medicine and it also took me to uh, Dr. Uh, Esselton, 
Mm-hmm. We called Dr. Essie affectionately. And Dr. Barnard, Dr. Greger, I started reading their books. I flew to Ohio to see Dr. Essie at the Cleveland Clinic. And he was the one that took the things that I read in the books and sort of put it into practical concepts. And I returned to the city. And I was a, I was a broke, physically broken person. Outwardly, I looked fine, mm-hmm. but my body was clearly breaking down. I, I had uh, high A1C numbers. Mm-hmm. My uh, vision loss, I, you know, lost sight in my left eye, and I was losing sight in my right. I had an ulcer. My cholesterol was high. My blood sugar was high. My blood pressure was high. Just, the, you know, the normal American package. Mm-hmm. And I came back and I embraced a, a whole food plant-based diet. And by doing so, in the first three weeks, my vision cleared up. Really? Three months later, my A1C went to from the high teens to a 5.7. My cholesterol normalized. My blood pressure normalized. The ulcer went away. The nerve, I had nerve damage in my hands and feet, you know, from the diabetes, permanent ner- nerve damage in my hands and feet and my thigh. I couldn't even feel my right thigh. Mm. And all of that disappeared. And it just started a journey of sharing others. Anytime something that exciting happens to you, mm-hmm. there's a natural desire of just sharing with others. And the movement just started from there and it went full circle because then my mother started reading about what I was doing. She was diabetic for 15 years on high blood pressure medicine for 57 years and taking all sorts of drugs for just a combination of things. And so she started in January and in two months, the doctor took her off insulin at 80 years old. That's what's up. She, you know, finally realized that it's it was the food. And so there was great opportunities of doing stuff in her church and people watching her transformation. And, you know, if you could do it at 80, you can do it at 18. And my desire, as I speak to more and more people, people are walking around in this terrible condition. And although they have become accustomed to it, because human beings have the amazing ability to adjust even if it's a level of sadness in the adjustment, they just tend to adjust to a new norm. And I look at people sometimes that are starting this journey, and I see and I share with them, one person in particular is coming across my mind, a very polite gentleman. He, he like yourself, he, he weighs probably around 350. His son is wearing the same and one day we were talking in a meeting he didn't even come here to talk about plant-based stuff he just came in for another meeting and I and after we finished I asked everyone else to leave the room and I spoke with him and I said you know it's none of my business but I know you're tired of being that heavy and Mm. if you're open to it there are ways that you can turn around your health and I'm willing to do that if you're open to it. If I'm overstepping my boundary, fine. But I would not be a friend if I didn't at least have the conversation with you. Mm. And he said, he says, you know, 
I, I really, I feel sad that I'm this way. And he started mm-hmm. to journey, and I see him, how he's just transforming right before my eyes. You know, one time he couldn't even button his suit. Now his suits he used to wear, they're double-breasted. That's what, I went through so many suits in my transition. I, had, I was like, man, this suit don't fit. It used to go the other way, you know? And now I'm going, to, now I'm going and I'm like, I'm wanting a nice suit. I want something with some stripes. I want it to fit tight, you know? Right, right. It's amazing how it changes. And it just, it brings me joy to know that I'm bringing joy. Yes. There's mm-hmm. no greater level than helping people over their joy. And I want that to be my legacy. Mm. Yeah. So I, I would love to ask you all sorts of questions about the transition itself. But, we, you know, we have you here and you have this unique position. Because I've spoken to a lot of people who are leaders by virtue of their circumstances or choices they've made, and you are a leader not just based on that, but in fact, right, in, a, in, a, uh, in, in terms of the structure of the position you were elected to. And I'm really curious uh, how you see using your leadership uh, on, on this issue and how this issue sort of nests with your mandate to take care of the welfare of the population of Brooklyn. That's a great question. When I left policing, I thought my legacy was going to be in making sure that policing was a fair place and we treated people with dignity and respect. And at the completion of that career, after 22 years of being a police officer, I left feeling as though I made a mark because a lot of the things that happened in the city around policing changed because of my advocacy in the organization that I started back then. But everything I've done in life is preparing me for this moment. Policing is not going to compare with what we're going to do around health on the globe. Not health in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. but health on the globe. I believe we're going to change how man identifies sickness. And we're going to move to a space that was unknown before, that reversing disease and living a quality, healthy way of life into your latter years. And that is extremely exciting for for me. And we're using our role here in Brooklyn the third largest city in America, if it was an independent city, 2.6 million people. We tend to believe the way goes Brooklyn goes New York, the way goes New York goes America, and the way goes America goes the globe. So in Brooklyn, we're starting a global change, Mm -hmm. a shift of global proportion. We're that butterfly that flaps our wings in China and causes an earthquake in Mexico. We're flapping our wings here in Brooklyn. (laughs) And we're doing it in certain different, several different areas. We're looking and we're examining and we are, re, we are relearning what we've learned. You have to unlearn what you've learned to really learn. <laughs> and we can't be ashamed and embarrassed to examine the bad habits that really held us down. So we're going after school foods. And... Our goal is to take processed meat 
out of our school food system, remove milk and dairy and cheese, and teach our children a more healthy way of life, particularly here in the borough of Brooklyn, because we're, we, we are a place, we're not like middle, middle America. We're one of the coastal regions where we have a large, diverse population. 47% of Brooklynites speak a language other than English at home. So when we teach little Jose uh, from San Juan, but now lives in Brooklyn, how to eat right, he's going to go home and teach his parents about those skills. And that's the, that's the same for the Albanian community, the Mexican community, the Russian, all of these communities. Then we want to look at and examine how do we start putting money into our school systems to have things like hydroponics, soilless farming, growing locally, attacking the food insecurity communities so that people can start growing their vegetables. I've, we've learned that if the children grow it, they'll eat it. Mm-hmm. And they will start educating themselves. There's no reason, and not even an ideal universe, but just in a normal universe, that we cannot grow the vegetables that our children eat in their own cafeterias. And we started on a small scale producing a partnership with an organization called Farm Shelf where they have these devices that grows crops using soilless farming. And the children are now starting in public school to grow various forms of leafy vegetables that they're going to give to our public housing where the food deserts are. And then we're going to scale up. My goal is to put a couple of hundred of these units inside of our school systems that's connected to our public housing and start creating the synergy of the children knowing how to fix the device, grow the food, and create a distribution mechanism. So they are going to be able to say, we started our school year with a food desert in our community. We saw the problem, we solved the problem, and we're moving this amazing, amazing industry of urban farming into a new language. Historically, poorer, economically challenging, and black and brown communities normally get the tail end of these great inventions, but we're going to change that. Mm. We're using a method of healing in the oldest hospital in America, Bellevue Hospital. It took a lot of persuading, but we're finally at the crust of changing how we do medicine in the city where we have the first of its kind plant-based clinic that is going to unit that is going to open in Bellevue Hospital. So someone comes in for a chronic illness, diabetes, heart disease, and some of the other diseases that we were told we had to live with, they're going to be able to go to this unit where there's a doctor, nutritionist, and other wraparound services that's going to tell them you don't have to just deal with medication. Now you can talk about how do you get off that medication. This is so exciting because it's a game changer. Once the evidence, which it will, shows that going to a whole food plant-based diet can reverse, reverse diseases, then it's going to be impossible for the other H&H, Health and Hospital Corporations in New York, to ignore it. They're all going to have to open a unit. And not only are they going to have to, have to open a unit, they're going to all have to start changing what they're doing. So Ms. Jones goes in for colon cancer. She's not going to return to her room where a steak is waiting for her. She's going to return to her room with something healthy 
to help her uh, recover. This is amazing stuff that we're doing and we're going to, going to continue to do. So I'm really curious about sort of the politics of this. Like I'm imagining, like this, this really, it feels like a real centerpiece of your mission as borough president. And I'm wondering like, if, if, you, were thought, if you were running on this platform, like, do you think the city is ready for it? You know, like if you said, like, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to bring health. I want to bring plant-based nutrition. It's almost like a lucky accident that you were already in place when you had your, uh, your epiphany and your transition. Like, we're, we're, you know, can this, can this happen from the ground up in other places? Or uh, what, what, what do you think? I, I, I believe timing is everything in life. And I truly believe in the butterfly, butterfly effect. When you put it in the universe, it catches on. And I've talked about a lot of different topics throughout my role as the borough president and even as a former state senator. Nothing has captured the audience more than this. As I look out into the various audiences that I talk about this on, there's something in their eyes that tells me people are ready to heal. Uh Mm. There's not a person you would come in contact with if you were to tell them, just take a moment and close your eyes and think about who around you is going through a chronic disease. No one will walk away from you saying, I can't think of anyone. All of us are in one way or another in contact with someone who's going through the debilitating experience of a chronic disease. Mm -hmm. And what it does to you, how not only does it hijacks the life of the caregiver, but it hijacks the life of the individual, and it almost dehumanizes you as you go through the entire process. I think the movement is ready because people want want to heal. They want to heal. They're tired of the pump that their children are using to deal with the asthma, they're tired of the chemo. They're tired of finding out the child have to must inject themselves with some form of medicine. The people are just ready. They're ready. And they are finally realizing through a very public conversation that I'm having that I think one of the most important places individuals can get to, and that is being able to say, we don't have to live this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's it's funny because I, when I think of like how people think about government these days, um, there's a lot of like you know we don't want government to do things for us, right? So this like, like you're you're telling people something completely different, you know, especially from sort of a liberal progressive perspective, saying that you have the power. That you know we're we're going to do our part, but the message really is you have the locus of control to make these fundamental changes. And I don't think that government should mandate. I recall Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor, and his attempt to take sugary drinks and decrease the size of the sugary drinks, mm-hmm. and the pushback that he received, and even some of the things he did around smoking and removing smoking. Both of those were noble causes. But part of 
didn't buy in is how it's done. The first method I thought should have been before you even start these movements is to put the information out there, showing the number of people who are impacted by sugary drinks and what they did and how sugar you know destroys, just doing the real numbers and started on the ground, doing those local talkback sessions where mothers can start to identify this is what's causing the obesity in your child. And the same with, with cigarette smoke. Having people have a full understanding of you know cancer, they did some great graphics around the advertisement that people were able to have just real um, buy-in. So the approach must be education with information and let it come on the ground level with parents as we're doing with the uh, Meatless Mondays program, the vegan food in schools, the vegetarian schools in our borough and throughout the city. So the goal is to really get the involvement of families Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so they can have real buy-in to see. Historically, there was never a real connection between what we eat every day and the ailments that we're dealing with. You go into a doctor's office and he'll say, okay, you know, eat more, eat more uh, veg- vegetables. I mean, but what does that mean? And there was no real on-the-ground understanding of how the foods we are eating is causing the illnesses. And we're starting to see that. It's a different conversation. Now, is everyone going to grasp right away? There's some people who embrace the idea, well, hey, you, got, you have to die one day, so I don't care. I'm just going to continue down the path that I am. And there's not much you could do about that. But the overwhelming number of people were making adjustment like I did, or they would give it their valid attempt. And those are the pockets that we need to really make sure that they have an opportunity to do so. Yeah, if you incubate those types of individuals that have those kind of dramatic health improvements in their life, they themselves become a, you know, they radiate the knowledge necessary for the rest of the populace. I've seen that grow on the bayou where I'm from. You know, I'm just a regular guy, but just from being in touch with people and being friends with them and being in proximity to them, I have seen people around me without having to lobby them to do anything take notice and take action. And so it's not something that we have to poke and prod and push so much as we have to be it. So true, so true. And just be living examples. People come up to me all the time and say, you know, I want to try. You know, I want to have an opportunity to do so. And I've just been a living example, not not shaming people, Mm -mm. not talking down to them but just being there to to give a hand mm-hmm. and those who are receptive. And sometimes people would absorb the information and won't come back until like two months later and say, mm-hmm. remember that conversation Absolutely. we had? You know, so just being there, meeting people where they are and taking them to where they ought to be. Yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, in, in general, the movement and all of the opposition to it from, let's say, you know, animal agriculture, from the food industry, from pharma, from some entrenched medical group. Have you had any sort of surprising allies that you were you were thinking that maybe they they would oppose or not get involved who have been uh, 
you know, help, helping with this push towards spreading the message of healthy eating? And, and you're right. The, the opposition is real because we're, we're talking about we're in a company where money rules and we're talking about changing really the American mindset. Mm-hmm. And so the opposition is, is, is not something that you could ignore because the same level of passion we have to move us away from this meat-centered diet, that passion is equal to those who want to ensure that we remain a meat-centered country. Mm-hmm. But you have to just forge ahead. And right has always triumphed over wrong. History has shown this so often. And I have been surprised by some of the allies in the medical profession. It it brought me a great level of joy when I started to look into the number of doctors who no longer want to watch this destruction of their patients. Because it has to be traumatic for doctors. Doctors must go through PTSD. Hmm. When you see someone come in front of you and you know what the outcome is going to be. When no one goes into medicine to watch patients die. Mm-hmm. And I, I am really joyful and hopeful when I see the number of doctors who are starting to embrace this concept of it's like a, an aha moment that they're saying, you mean I can actually save Ms. Jones and not have to just continue to, to give a prescription? And so I'm excited about that, that the number of doctors that are starting to move in this direction and those who are becoming allies. Hmm. Great. Uh, yeah. Do we have to wrap up? Okay. Uh, yeah, so um, what, what's on the agenda for, you know, for the next few months in terms of um, spreading the word in the community. You've got this, you know, this. we're in a beautiful room in a beautiful building in uh, a beautiful borough. You have a bully pulpit and I, the, uh, the ability to invite people to come and convene. Uh, what's, what's on the agenda that we can look forward to? We, we continue to do informational settings. Every three months we do what's called a vegan, vegan, curious meetup where people come and learn about what it is to eat a whole food plant-based diet. We do different sessions. We're teaching people how to cook. We have a great plant-based challenge where we, we're getting members of our faith-based industries to come together, some of our bishops and pastors, and having them try for a 28-day period, a plant-based to look at their numbers. One of the most unhealthy institutions we have in the countries are the various faith-based religions mm-hmm. in the countries. And we want to really start tapping into because part of this is needing the emotional support. We are also are doing a series of conversations on how do we change some of our healthcare facilities to get our hospitals to embrace starting with the Meatless Mondays and then continue to evaluate 
and evolved to go from a meatless Monday to a Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, all the way through. Mm -hmm. And really start doing the connection. Because th this is a NAAA moment. Before we can really start to correct our wrong behavior, we first have to use those first centers of saying, I am. And anyone that has ever gone through recovery will tell you, until you acknowledge where you are, you'll never move from where you are. Mm -hmm. And we have to acknowledge that we are a country that slowly poisons our residents each and every day. And we want to be, continue to be part of that conversation of changing it. Mm. Yeah. Final thoughts? Yeah, I, I do. You know, we talk a lot about as a, me as a new person in this. Like, it's happening. Because it is. Things are happening. There's this wave. People, just like you said, they're ready to heal. And I just have to say that you are a bright, shining example of that it. Mm. That's people in your position doing what you're doing. Um, really give guys like me, just a regular guy, <laughs> a lot of hope that it is really happening. And so just I would like to thank you. Mm. I've, when you look at probably the most important signals we have in America is our flag. And it was not created by scholars. It was not created by those who are the Einstein type. It was just a woman named Betsy Ross that sat in her living room and put a bunch of stars and stripes together. And regular guys is what made us a regular country. And that is what's going to take us to this next level. So you're yes. the best Ross of today. It <laughs> <laughs> means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, Borough President Adams, thank you so much for everything you're doing for the movement, for the world, for the, for the globe, and for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this short episode of the Plant Yourself podcast. I hope you got a sense of the great spirit that animates Eric Adams uh, I wish you could have been there with us. <laughs> the room was pretty big. There probably would have been enough room for uh, for a lot of us. Uh, I just want to reiterate my thanks to Rachel for making it happen and to Russ Lahomadu for organizing the connection in the first place. And of course, to my buddy, my partner, my comrade in arms, Josh Lajani, for his contributions and his heart and soul on this journey. So if you think this is a worthwhile conversation for other people to listen to, one way to make that happen is to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave a review there. By the way, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, on Stitcher, and now, as of the last couple of weeks, on Spotify. You can just go search for Plant Yourself and subscribe right there. You can find the show notes for today's episode at plantyourself.com slash 297. And if you're new to the show, you can catch up on 296 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. So the good news out of the garden this week is that the mustard greens seem to be robustly frost resistant. We had a couple of nights that got into the low 30s and the mustard greens bounced right back and they are making wonderful additions to uh, stir fries. Not so great in smoothies uh, unless you like that sort of thing. In running news, I'm kind of slow again. I actually truncated a 12-mile run over the weekend and turned it into 10 miles. Today, I did a real slow run walk, so still working out some kinks 
and hopeful that uh, by the springtime I'll be ready to compete again in some marathon or half marathon. I was inspired a little bit today listening to an NPR story uh, on the 1A uh, radio show with uh, Peter Sagel, comedian Peter Sagel, who's written a book called The Incomplete Book of Running. And he sort of reminded me in a in a very sort of funny way, uh, a lot of the things that I absolutely love about the sport, the activity, the human movement. All right. Thanks to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use this beautiful song. Let's bring it up now. Hear the swelling melody of Sabali Don, the dance of peace. Check out willridenour.com for more of his beautiful Kora music. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Got a new one this week. And so uh, listen carefully till the end. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mary, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hadley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Burns, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Ganofsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elson Feldman, Victoria Dolmanova, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Julianne Rollins, Stu Nolik, Sarah Durkis, Rather Sturgis, Kelly Cameron, Wynn Peterson, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzis, Jeanette Ben and Gila, Sarah David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Viazov, Gia and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friester, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Lee Shalemis, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lindemann, Rise with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Almas. Martha Bergner, Coenzi, and Susan Alat, Molly Levine, Inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashton Corcoran, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, and Plan Happy Organ, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Shell Rutledge, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rolls, Linda Ayat, Julie Langholm, Hedda Gardiza, Tuzan Wakani, Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Day, Aviva, ah, Alicia Davis, Aviva Lael, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski, Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, Jesse Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny, Jenny Hazleton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Diva, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Debbie Casilla, Emily Iconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Lehman, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, Bilberry, Elf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, and Kelly Molden for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenour.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kanofsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzak, Jeanette Benham, Gila, Sarah David Donahue, Blair Cyborg, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carl- Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmad, Nolly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch at Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. 
Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Izatuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazleton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divich, Ashra Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Lehman, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Karts, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trish Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganshik, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sawyer Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, and Sarah Johnson for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>